welcome to another ISACA podcast. My name is Chris McGowan. I am the Principal Information Security Professional Practice Lead here at ISACA. Joining me today is Jonathan Tomek. He's the Vice President of Research and Development at Digital Element. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, so to start out, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what your current work role is and uh, what you do? Sure. Um, as the VP of Research and Development, it's my job to basically figure out new methods to find bad guys or enhance our product internally to make sure that it's as best as it can be for customers, which uh, leads me down a lots of fun different paths for uh, playing with all the geo data as well as malware and plenty of other things. So you're basically a jack of all trades? Uh, master of none, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so today we're going to talk about um, recently released uh, ISACA news article, what's your IP address and cybersecurity IQ. Uh, before we get into that, if you don't mind, I'd like to, uh, I, I read your bio and some of the things and I found them quite interesting. So I figured it, uh, we, we could share them. Um, so you're in the Marine Corps, right? Yes, sir. Uh, how long were you in the Marine Corps? I spent uh, four years serving. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for your service. I'm also a retired chief myself in the Navy. Nice. Um, so what kind of cool things did you get to do when you were in the Marine Corps? Oh, all the fun things. I um, was on a ship for a few years. I got to tour um, Japan. I went to Iraq. I um, spent a lot of time actually serving, doing humanitarian efforts. So it's quite a few different things. I mean, I could go on just for a whole podcast oh, on yeah, that. I bet, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you for yours. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into VPNs. Um, so if you don't mind, could you give us a little history, you know, when they came about, um, what they were originally used for, and if they've changed over the years, and kind of uh, where they're going here in the future? Sure. Um, to, I guess, keep it short and sweet, uh, VPNs were basically created about, what, 20, 30 years ago now, and they were originally intended to basically secure a point A to point B, make sure that a tunnel was encrypted so that you have the ability to have a secure connection between the points so that you could have a network on A and B without anybody being able to see um, in the, like, sift through the traffic. Um, that's kind of evolved over the past, I'd say, 10, 15 years where VPNs have now, or at least the commercial side, have started adding uh, anonymity services, trying to give you different exit points so that you can obfuscate your uh, location, um, add additional new cryptography methods so that if a government or whomever might be sniffing the traffic, that it would be completely unreadable, such as being able to break out of censored countries such as uh, China through the Great Firewall, or um, even being able to just um, make sure that the traffic in between is secure so that you know that who's ever logging into a VPN or through a VPN rather, is a trusted person, which is kind of part of the zero trust framework as well. So VPNs have just basically been evolving to add additional components over the past uh, 30 years since they started. Yeah, so when it comes to VPNs, I remember early in my uh, cybersecurity career, um, that was what everybody talked about, like, oh, we're secure, we have, we'll go through a VPN, no problem at all. And until, okay. you know, later in, in my career, I realized, and after you know, really uh, learning a lot more, I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's not like a guaranteed. I mean, it's a step you can take, but as we'll get later in the uh, talks, um, 
it doesn't exactly guarantee privacy, right? Because if if you're one, if you don't, if you're not using a reputable uh, VPN provider or whatever it may be, you could you could basically be airing your dirty laundry without even knowing it, right? That's correct. Yep, that's very true. Uh, so security and privacy. Uh, I mean, privacy is within it, right? Virtual private network. Um, is it as secure as people really think it is? Well, so yes and no. I mean, there, that's always the muddy answer. But uh, depending upon the one that you use, there's more encryption levels that will give you more benefit, I guess. So early, like basic levels of VPNs, the ones that you might have heard of, like PPP or like L2TP, the, those ones are not necessarily as secure as the more modern VPNs out there, such as more of like an open VPN or a WireGuard. But um, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily insecure. It just means that they're the different type of protocol. But um, the more modern protocols, such as like OpenVPN and WireGuard, have a lot more additional factorization, like AES encryption and things like that. And that really adds to it. But that's really not where the power comes behind the VPNs. If um, based upon what we're talking about, I would say the bigger part is from A to B, or if you're doing multi-hops, who's controlling the, the entrance or exit point? Because just because something is secure between the VPN, the virtual private network, doesn't mean that one or more of the hops aren't necessarily insecure. So that's something to also consider when you're thinking about VPNs. So uh, would it say that like, um... What features or policies do you want to look out for when you're uh, deciding what VPN provider to go with? Um, well, in the range of commercial VPNs, um, they, well, they're offering a lot of new features. I mean, they're offering things such as no logging so that they're not being able to look at any of your traffic. They don't know anything that you're doing. They don't even know who you are, which isn't that necessarily true because you are paying for it with potentially a credit card. I mean, some that are out there accept cash, check, or gift cards and things like that um, if you're trying to be anonymous. I mean, you can't really necessarily go hand in hand with the anonymity and also giving your credit card to somebody, but that's, that's kind of how they work. But the um, exit node selection, which is kind of one of those hot button items for a lot of these commercial providers that are out there, those let you be able to select uh, if you say you're in the US and you want to look like you're coming out of Spain. That is, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing, but that's showing a different level of intent behind what a VPN is. Um, if we're talking about a personal VPN, one that you're able to log in for a work or, uh, or into, say, your cloud provider, those are pretty safe and secure because they're purposely doing one type of thing. I mean, they do have their own forms of uh, vulnerabilities associated with them. I mean, they recently in the news that you've heard probably a couple of, uh, well, hundreds of thousands of VPNs were insecure because those are corporate VPNs. Um, I don't want to, I don't like to talk bad about any providers, but um, that was just an oversight on their behalf. And this vulnerability was a big gaping hole, but yeah, there's a big distinction between uh, the commercial VPN space as well as the more corporate VPNs. So, I mean, you mentioned a few of them, but what are, what are some major red flags that you should tell you? Like, sure. Yeah, if someone's trying to gain access through VPN to whatever network, wherever it be, whatever it may be, um, what are some huge red flags to make you think, well, maybe I shouldn't allow them access into, into the network? 
Well, oh, this is one of my favorite parts because um, let's just take all of the providers as a whole. If you're going to look at things that offer um, gift cards or they accept cryptocurrency payments, there are no logging policies. They allow specific exit node selections as well as potentially even have residential IP space. That all the way there is something very concerning. And the reason is the people that might be using that or it's not necessarily the all the people using it, but it kind of attracts uh, criminals because they can use all of those services to basically credential stuff places or create tons and tons of fake accounts waiting for some type of attack. Like there's a lot of nefarious activity that can be done because of those offerings that they're providing. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. I, I've talked to, I mean, I've got a friend who he's just getting into cyber and he was lucky enough to get a job just off of he likes to do a little, you know, script kitty stuff at home uh, and they got him into an analyst job. So he's really liking it. But he's also believes, you know, he said it himself. He's like, oh, we use a VPN there. No one could ever, you know, mess with our stuff or whatever. And I'm like, well, I get it. But that's not really, you know, 100 percent guaranteed. Nothing's really 100 percent guarantee. Right. It's, mm -hmm. just, it's just not how our work goes. Uh, but he's just still maybe he's just too headstrong because you know, he's starting a new position and he, he's got the in is what he called it to the cybersecurity world. Uh, but the my point I was trying to get to is even the security mind folks might not even be that up to date with like this discussion we're having, right? Because I mm -hmm. mean, they might not be, but do you think it's a huge challenge for the people who really don't work in security or uh, are not, um, don't have that security mindset? Do you think it's a bigger challenge for the the person, the average person, I guess you would say? Uh, I would actually say yes. And for, for several reasons. Um, one of those being they really just don't know a lot about all additional, I'm going to say terms of service or probably the use of how these VPN providers are working. I'm not saying all do this, but some do this, especially the free ones. And those are the ones to be very, very, very mindful of. But um, a lot of times the People install them on their phones so they can watch um, a streaming media service somewhere around the world, right? But what they don't realize is that that application that they've installed will also turn them into a exit point that others are able to use. So that's something to be mindful of. And people don't really think about that. And that's kind of a very, I, I mean, I'm going to say that's pretty scary, but a lot of people do that, especially kids do that. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, but bigger than that, I would say is, you're, who are you trusting? I mean, all of the VPN providers you see out there are, I mean, you probably see plenty of ads out there now, especially on YouTube and wherever else, because they VPNs are making tons and tons of money. Um, well, they basically are making so much money because not everybody uses their service all the time, but they're telling you, stop trusting your ISP or stop trusting whomever else or the coffee shop. And don't get me wrong, I mean, you don't necessarily want to trust uh, like open insecure Wi-Fi, but the thing is you're now paying for their trust and they're the ones telling you, oh, we do all of these good things and we're trying to help you and secure you. Well, are they? I mean, yes, they go through audits, but are they really being the better business here to, to protect you or are you just kind of offsetting it? So it's kind of a lot of things. Yeah, in all honesty, the consumer, unless they did their due diligence, wouldn't know whether they were actually securing right. their data anyway. 
Um, I but, literally saw the other day a, a commercial on TV about don't trust your um, service provider. Use so-and-so's VPN services. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, wow, a commercial on TV. It mm -hmm. kind of threw me off. Uh, you mentioned one thing I'd like to touch on a little bit. And in all honesty, I never really thought about it this way. Um, some people use uh, VPNs tied to other countries to be able to stream services from different countries or whatever it may be, right? Um, I never really thought of it that way. Um, but do you think new regulations and things like that will come down to combat that kind of usage, like the olden days, like when we used to use Napster and whatever to pirate music or whatever? Oh, yeah, those were the, the glorious days, right? <laughs> Everybody was, piracy was at an all-time high. Um, obviously, some of that's changed. I mean, even when Netflix came out, that kind of curbed a lot of, I guess, the piracy efforts because it was all kind of a localized system. Right. You, it's easier to access all your content in one spot than having to download everything, especially when it was malicious and people getting affected all the time. Well, the thing with all that, though, is there's tons of licensing agreements that are out there between countries. I mean, when you have content such as a movie that's only allowed to be accessible in the U.S., you're not supposed to be able to see it if you're in like the U.K. or vice versa. So that's where a lot of the restrictions come into play. But I'm not going to say that any of these streaming media providers care about those like, like they have to abide by those rules, but they don't want to enforce them themselves because that's why they're starting to create their own content that have none of these restrictions. So um, what, what a lot of the VPNs have been starting to do is, well, not starting, but they've been doing for a while is offering you the ability to find an exit node that's in an area or a region that allows you to watch the shows that you might want to watch. And they've been able to figure out how to get around a lot of the block checks because of uh, the residential IP space. So if you're looking like you're coming through a data center, you're going to be a easily blocked because we already have those lists. They've been out for a long time. But if you start coming out looking like you're somebody's home, it's a lot more difficult to check. So that's how they're able to circumvent that. But that those basically those blocks are a legal front and whether or not they're going to be challenged, at least here in the U.S., I mean, around the world, it's it's going one way or the other. I mean, some places are making VPNs more illegal where you can even use them. And then others are starting to restrict them heavily um, or just start taking things offline. I mean, if you look at India, they've said that VPNs can't even work there unless they're logging all of the traffic for at least two days. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Do you think the U? I mean, I don't know. Do you think the UK has similar, more stringent? I'm thinking they're more like the US in some ways. But the interesting part is we're starting to see is it all comes with specific like types of monitoring, which is what is it for and why? Like what, um, anything that's going to involve children, that's where the laws are going to start getting like restrictive. I mean, you're technically not supposed to use a VPN if you're under 13, which those are just rules that exist and they have them on different policies, but how do you enforce those? I don't necessarily know. But um, when it comes to the UK, I mean, they still have similar laws like the US when it comes to the streaming stuff. So who knows? I don't know if it's going to get grander or less restrictive. It's just a matter of time to see how it all goes. Yeah, I have two kids under 13 and um, I used to let them just get on my YouTube under my account, but I stopped that because, you know, all of a sudden I heard curse words or something like that. So I was like, no, no, no. So I made their accounts for each one of them. And once you put that age in there, that it's under 13, um, 
I get a notification before they do anything that's flagged. So I think that's that's a, a great feature. Um, so we've covered a little bit here and there. Um, would you mind walking through like, you know, your security mindset for a corporation and like step-by-step -step thought processes on uh, VPN traffic, what you're gonna accept, things you might reject, um, just the mindset and you know what I mean, uh, how you go through, you know, to see if someone needs more authentication, less authentication, things like that? Um, well, let's see, I'll, I'll look at any different type of business in a general sense. Because if you're smaller, you're probably going to be using like an MSSP or an MSP. If you're larger, you're going to probably be consuming the data yourself. But basically, what should be driving a lot of your decisions anyway is context. Because we don't want to block everything. I mean, there's who knows if an IP address is good or not. I mean, an IP address is an IP address. It's similar to a phone number, right? But it given a specific moment in time or given a very specific uh, feature that it might actually be owned by somebody or a business such as a, a VP, a commercial VPN, you might want to block it. But the, the things that I look for is all that context. The context I, I always will say is king because um, based upon the things that your business needs to be mindful of, like the policies that you have internally, whether it's um, a heightened security posture because you're worried about, say, credential stuffing, you'd want to know which IP addresses were coming and attacking you. If all of those IP addresses are tied to a very specific provider, that is something that you might want to be mindful of, especially if that provider has like, no logging, like I was mentioning earlier, unlimited data, what have you. That That's something that you might want to immediately like red flag. But if you're more so concerned about um, like you're starting to see some weird things poking your website, like it's scraping your website. Well, if you're just a regular business and there's nothing that you really care about, then it might not be something that you have to be too worried about. But if you have maybe prices on there, you might want to start looking at that. If you're Amazon and somebody's constantly scraping your entire inventory every day and you know it's a VPN, that's where I would get is it's something that you'd want to block. Um, but if you want to take it a whole different approach, which is maybe you have a different problem, which is your like there's actual legal policies, which is your employees have to live and work in the United States, for example. Well, during uh, COVID, we had a lot of people that decided just to move all around the world and they were starting to use VPNs to be able to work remotely, but look like they're coming out of the US. So that might be something that you should be mindful of and look into i mean i'm not to say that i condone or don't condone like people moving away but i'm just using it as an example of you have to legally be bound by policies so that's something that should drive your your concern so i always look for context of it the data that you're going to be getting um, from an ip address could be a moment in time it could be a specific type of attack or used for forensics or used for other different types of policies you might not even have thought of. Oh, wow, that, that makes perfect sense to me. So uh, do you have anything else in regards to uh, VPN specific that you'd like to uh, talk to everybody about? Uh, I, I mean, unless it's a question for you, I could talk about VPNs all day. I like to talk <laughs> about them. <laughs> but um, I'll say that something to also consider is that just because 
a residential VPN provider that's out there right now, like or an IP address that you might see, it doesn't necessarily seem nefarious, I guess you could say, or you're not too concerned about your kids using a free VPN or things like that. Um, mind you that a lot of like, there's a lot more information now coming out that a lot of these free VPNs are actually botnets and they're being used for nefarious activities. Some are being taken down. Um, there are also people that literally will install these apps willingly because they are paid as like we like to call it beer money. So they're paid for their bandwidth usage. So people will go around with their mobile phones and now they're selling their basically unused bandwidth for a, basically a couple dollars, maybe a month or every other month. And you might not know where the actual origin IP address is from, but it looks like it could be your block. So just food for thought. That's crazy, actually. Um, so I know this might be asking much, but is there, uh, I don't know the right term, is there like a, not a whitelist, but a list of, of known, uh, you should stay away from these VPNs or, or VPNs coming from this area? Is that too much to ask? I don't, I don't even know if that's a, that's an eye of the beholder. I mean, context is context. I mean, this is why I was saying that these providers are trying to earn trust and build up trust. So they're going through audits. They're trying to make sure that things are good. Their services are clean. But whether or not they are, I mean, that's up to you to gauge. I'm not going to say that uh, the bigger providers are shady or not shady, but I will definitely say there is, there has been newer lists of like the free ones to definitely be mindful of. And there are blog posts that keep popping out. I mean, anything that you'll see on like Leaving Computer, for example, um, I've given presentations on some of the bad ones, but, and I try to make sure I, I do some uh, write-ups on which VPNs might be bad, but yeah, I, I'll, to be fair, I don't know if there's like a centralized list. I haven't seen that, but yeah. Well, there's so many that are named the same. I mean, like you'll go out there and you'd be like super awesome VPN, whatever. And then you'll be over here and it's the same name, super awesome VPN two. You're like, who knows? Because they can name it whatever they want. Anyway. So it's fair to say that, you I mean, if this is going to be a part, big part of what you're going to use within your organization, you just have to do the due diligence to uh, do some research to make sure that, you know, the risk is at a, at a specific level that you're willing to, to work with. Well, those are for the commercial ones or the free yeah. ones. I mean, if you're going to be using a business VPN, such a, and you're using a cloud, like AWS offers their own VPN, which is really just a wrapper of open VPN, you need to be very mindful of just that in itself and make sure your policies are in play. Some people use other hardware solutions. So uh, always be on top of those because there are new vulnerabilities that keep coming out. And just because you have a VPN doesn't mean you're secure. I mean, um, there, if your basically your files get leaked or somebody is able to break through and figure out your configuration, you're going to be at risk. That's just be mindful of that. But definitely, when it comes to anything commercial side, the free stuff, be very worried. So, I mean, I, I read it in your bio, and I, and I 100% agree with this next saying. It's like, and it's not just for VPNs. It's like that false sense of security. You know, when when security professionals get uh, complacent you know i think that that is one of the worst things that could happen you know oh uh, we got a vpn we're good or oh we got virus we're good you know we got strong passwords we're good man you know, i harp on complacency 
all the time. The amount of people are, and I'm not going to just put it all on security people because sometimes they hit a wall with the people above them trying to say, hey, I need more money to do X, Y, Z. Um, it's it's unfortunate, but there are also people out there, you're right, that just get complacent. Like they're, it's a technology they might not know. And they're like, ah, we're fine. Nobody's going to hack us. We're not a target. Well, you're always a target. Everybody's always a target. It's just how you're it's whether you're not getting fished with a net or you're getting spear fished directly like it's still a target fishing has become so has changed so much since i mean i used to do it when i worked on a red team and around yeah. football season was like game on because it got so many people we just did you know click counters just to see who how often yeah. we get people to click on and it was it was astronomical it was almost comical like oh my gosh this is oh, crazy. Yeah. So it's it's kind of funny you brought that up because they're actually just in the news. Well, it didn't happen now. It happened actually a few years ago. So you know the company Ubiquity, they actually were ransomed by one of their own employees. And they were using VPN, which that VPN actually fell out. And that's how they were able to find out who the person was. But it, it was actually a really big case. And that was all a big deal because uh, i mean I'll, i only bring it in because the vpn part but the thing is there was phishing involved there was ransom involved it was a really big case and it affected the company for billions of dollars i mean it was really really bad but this can happen to anybody this can happen to regular old places because people are whether or not they're going back to complacent or there's somebody that has a grudge i mean insider threats a huge issue is yeah just as much as anything people are the most dangerous vulnerability there is right yeah, number one. Well, we made it. So yeah. <laughs> well, before we wrap up on our talk on VPNs, I wanted to make sure to bring up uh, some a few things you've been involved in. Um, so, reading your bio, you went to DefCon a few times, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh, plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. and uh, participated in and capture the flag, all that stuff. That you, you probably really enjoy that stuff, don't you? Oh, I love love that. Yeah, we. Um competed and made it to the finals one year. That was years that's, ago. That's crazy. It takes a lot. I mean, I've been to DEF CON, but never participated in, in any of those myself. Um, you got to try it. got to try something. So tell me a little bit, tell everyone a little bit about uh, ThoughtCon. Sure. Um, so this is going to be OXC, so our 12th year. Um, so basically, a couple of my friends and I, we all got together and we started ThoughtCon in Chicago uh, years ago. And we wanted to basically make it um, a conference that really didn't have any influence other than the attendees. So having um, no outside like support, so it's all completely funded by the people attending the conference. Um, though we do have sponsors for like the parties and things like that, um, and be as educational as possible. So everybody that's there is basically active and. Um, with, with all of that, we actually became a, um, a 501c3, and we've even been given back to the community. So it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, uh, my bias is that it's my favorite hacker conference, but that's... <laughs> when you started up, right? Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so is there, uh, is there anywhere someone can go to find out more information about ThoughtCon, or is it just a Google it kind of thing? Sure, yeah. Just go to ThoughtCon.org, T-H-O-T-C-O-N.org. Check it out. I mean, I we are sold out for tickets, but I think some every every now and then pop up because uh, people are can't make it. So it's definitely a good time, though. Well, so do you have anything else before we uh, close down for uh, this podcast? No, I'm great. Well, I just want to thank you for your participation. 
Um, I learned a little bit today, which I love to do every time I host one of these podcasts. So if anybody's interested in reading this full article, you just uh, in the description, just click on the link and I, I suggest everybody read it. So for now, until next time, this is uh, Chris McGowan signing off.